Yes, amen and amen. Look what the Lord has done. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo, I feel like partying in here. I'm talking about partying the Holy Ghost. Look at what the Lord has done. Amen. Again, we want to welcome everyone this morning to this service at World Outreach Church for All Nations in Lawrenceville, Georgia. We thank you for coming. Thank you for those who are in the sanctuary and to our friends and families that are streaming. We welcome you. We thank God for you. And listen, please, come and be a part of what the Lord has done. So the party can be complete. This party is not complete without you. We miss you. We need you. We love you. And we ask you to come because the Bible says we should not forsake the assemblies of ourselves together. And in that wise, I want to welcome you again to Walk Fan World Outreach for All Nations, where we are building strong families and serving global communities. And happy Thanksgiving to everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanksgiving is next Thursday. We thank God for that. We just don't give thanks once a year. We give thanks moment by moment, day by day, week by week. And in that wise, I'm happy and to see some of our college students having returned home from school for this Thanksgiving break. We love you. Welcome. Amen. I'm looking at Gideon over here. I'm looking at Debari over here. If I'm missing anybody else, I'm sorry. Maybe you're wearing the mask. I don't recognize you. Praise God. But we welcome all of you. We pray that your time here for this brief holiday will be a good one, a refreshing one, that you go back to school recharged to be a brilliant expression of Jesus all around your campuses in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And so, last Sunday was a hell of a Sunday. <laughs> Kingdom conversation took a new turn. We saw the debut of Gift Ogunwale. Amen. <laughs> we see the introduction to the world of another gift by God that in a few weeks and months and years will be mainstream to all of the world in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The feedback has been wonderful. We thank God for all of those of you who asked questions and the feedback that we received and definitely, especially, very excited for gift and uh, for how God is going to use this whole thing to create an opportunity for her to grow and to develop and be a blessing to the world. But having said that, uh, there's one correction I need to make. One of those questions, I think the last question regarding the polarization of America, I want to say to you, I did not take that well. I did not address that correctly. And I'm saying this to you because the circle of the influenced is the circle of the affected. Because it happened on a public forum. Therefore, I'm accountable to you to address it in a public forum. I should not have been as hard in my response to that question. That is not Jesus. We've been talking about living more, loving more, giving more, and serving more. And I, Bank Akimola, want to love more. So what you saw in that response to that question was not loving more. As your pastor, I'm telling you, I was wrong. I regret the way I handled it. And given another opportunity, I will definitely do better. Amen. In Jesus' name. Yeah. I have since called the individual to offer my personal apology. I think I did it on that very day. But I needed to bring it to your attention because, listen, we, everything that happens is a teaching moment. So I don't want any of you to have a Bank Akimala moment. <laughs> now, now, you saw what I just did. I just corrected myself publicly. Now, if you did something that has warrants a public denunciation, because I have done it and given you an example, you can expect that I will do the same to you. So to be forearmed, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. Now, you say, Pastor, why are you doing this? Can you give me chapter and verse? Yes, I can give you chapter and verse. Galatians chapter 2. Peter, who opened the door of the church on the day of Pentecost, went to Galatia and became a hypocrite. 
and by its hypocrisy was infecting and affecting the rest of the church. What did Paul do? Paul came in, saw the misbehavior. He did not call Peter privately to chastise him. He did it publicly. Why? Because what Peter did publicly affected everybody else. And therefore, if I just apologize to the person who asked the question, and I, bring it, I didn't bring it to your attention, you might not know that it was wrong. That's the reason you do that. Amen? All right, praise God. That's over now. Let's just move forward. Amen. We are looking back, looking up, and looking forward. I cannot tell you how critically important this series of messages are going to be. This will become a defining moment for the way we do church. And don't expect for me to deliver all the goods in one message. Right now, I have 34 minutes. What, what can I say in 34 minutes? I'm going to give you a little bit. Next Sunday, you get a little bit more. The next Sunday, a little bit more. And so forth and so on until we unpack, looking back, looking up, and looking forward, hopefully by the first Sunday of the new year. That's the plan. Now, some of you may be saying, okay, Pastor, why this timing? Why do you not do this in March? What do you, or why do you not defer this till June next year? Let me just help you understand the reason for this timing. I remember when Faith was born, within a few days or a couple of days of his birth, I can't remember exactly where my wife and I were, and we got a phone call from the doctor in the hospital. It was one as a preemie, by the way, preemie. Uh, when Faith was born, it was no bigger than this microphone. <laughs> True story. And we got a phone call, and the doctor said, you know what, there's a say, fluctuation in his heartbeat, uh, something was wrong with his heart, and we need you guys to give us permission uh, to do a surgery right away. Now, as a parent, you're hearing that your child needs a heart surgery within a few days of being born. Do you kick the can down the road and say, well, let's think about it next month? Or do you do it immediately? By the way, what am I getting at? Some have thought and hypothesized that perhaps we should, what we are doing now, maybe we should do it much later when we have a lot more time to address things and do certain things. And I'm saying you don't understand the urgency of the matter. To delay or to linger is to defy our future. I'm saying this to prepare your mind so you understand the seriousness of the moment that we're in. And in weeks to come, you will understand and appreciate what I'm saying. In fact, by next week, it'll be a little clearer. So for right now, please give me some 105 verse 5 in the Amplified Classic. Looking back, looking up, looking forward. This is a journey. Honestly, remember the marvelous deeds that he has done. His miracles and wonders, the judgments and sentences which he pronounced upon, the en upon his enemies as in Egypt. I like this translation because we have similar passages like this all through the scriptures where it tells us to remember, 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 remember. But Amplified Classic is the only one that adds the qualification of that remembrance, earnestly. So what does it mean to honestly remember? That what earnest means with sincere and intense conviction. So this is not just a casual remembrance. The writer of the Amplified says to us to remember what God has done with what? With sincere intensity. And so, that's what 
we are beginning to do from this morning. He says, earnest means with sincere and intense conviction. I, I, I don't want to leave that word out. All right, moving from there. Janus, from which our first month of the year, January, is named, was seen as a god of new beginnings. Can I have the picture of Janus, please? Thank you. There you go. The picture you see on the screen is a picture of Janus. And you notice something unique about this Janus, this picture. It was a Roman god of gates and doorways. It is depicted, as you can see in the picture, with two faces. One looking at the year that was, in other words, looking back, while the other one was looking ahead towards what lies ahead. It is from this depiction of from Janus that we get the name January. January is the beginning of a new year. And this month is the month of November where the cusp or the threshold of a new year. So rather than wait till December 31st to start celebrating, to start looking back and looking up and looking forward, it's almost too late. We need to begin much sooner, and that's what we're doing now. We are looking back like Janus, but at the same time, looking ahead. Our societal norm in our society, the norm, is that we rush from one thing to another. Everything is rush, 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 rush. You rush to work, you rush home, you rush to the soccer game, you rush back home, you rush to this, you rush, I mean, rush, rush. We're in an ever-rushing mode all of the time, most of us, because there are so many things to do, to handle, so many things to attend to. So our societal norm is rushing from one thing to another, but God has always called people to take time to slow down to pause and to ponder the past. Now, we had a prayer meeting here on Friday, and boy, it was a wonderful prayer time. Amen. Wonderful prayer time. We are, not going to do, we are not going to do that this next Friday because of Thanksgiving. We want you to eat your turkey, your dressing, your colored greens, and all of that nice stuff. But the following week after that, we want you to come back. It's been a very intense time of getting before God and just preparing ourselves for what lies ahead. So God is always calling people to, to slow down, to pause, and to ponder the past. In fact, in the scriptures, the word Selah was used 71 times in the book of Psalms alone. Think about that. And it means to pause, and to calmly think of that. Give me the scripture, Psalms 3, verse 8, in the Amplified Classic, so I can show it to them. Psalms 3, verse 8, in the Amplified Classic. Hallelujah. So now, don't go out and buy Janus, okay? Janus is a Roman god. I wasn't showing to you to go and start, you know, become a Janus gen generation. I just wanted you to see what it looked like, and the fact that it looked back and looked forward at the same time. Please, that's, that's the only relevancy of Janus. I hope you heard me loud and clear to the audience on television. Amen. Don't go and name your child Janus. <laughs> Praise God. Now, you think people will know that, but sometimes, you know, you have to make everything plain, everything clear, cross the T, dot the I's. Psalms 3 verse 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> May your blessing be upon your people, Selah. In other words, think about it. Think about the salvation you have and think about the blessing that God has conferred upon you as a result. Think about it. Don't just rush off. Think a moment, pause, and calmly think of that. Now, into the meat of this message this morning. There are two ways of looking back. And you're going to see what's going to happen over these next few weeks. I'm going to take a few Sundays to talk about looking back. I'm going to take another Sunday or two to talk about looking up. 
Then I'm going to take a few, a couple, a, couple, a couple of more Sundays to talk about looking forward. And then we're going to have a wrap. This is going to be a wonderful Christmas gift. Amen. Oh, thank you, Pastor. Th thank you, Prof. Thank you. See, only Greg and Joseph wants a Christmas gift. There are two ways of looking back. Two ways. Number one, you can look back licking your wounds with regret. You can look back licking your wounds with regret. The scriptures is replete with this norm. I don't want to turn there because of time. In Genesis chapter 19, verse 17, and verse 26, you can write this down and look at it later on. Lot's wife was cautioned not to look back. And that if she did, she would become a pillar of salt. So you say, Pastor, the Bible says Lot's wife should not look back. Why are you asking us to look back? Good question. Good question. In Numbers chapter 11, again, don't turn there. I'm just going to give you the reference. We're going to move on here. In verses 4 and 5, the Israelites were bugging, nagging Moses about going back to Egypt where they had leeks and garlics and fish to eat. They wanted to go back. And then we have in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, where Jesus told his disciples that having put their hands to the plow, they were not supposed to look back. So then you ask yourself the question, if these scriptures say that, why in the world are we looking back? Now, you need to understand, like I said, there are two ways of looking back. Number one is, and that's what we are addressing, looking back with regrets and licking our wounds. In the examples I just gave you with Lot's wife, with the Israelites wanting to go back to Egypt to eat licks and garlic and fish, and with what Jesus was saying in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, the admonition there was, okay, ask yourself this question. Why was Lot's wife looking back? Why? Lot's wife, along with her husband, had acquired a vast estate in Sodom. They were men and women of renown. So at a moment's notice, when the angel said, get out of town, because if you don't get out, you're going to be destroyed. Well, we know that even Lot himself lingered. He lingered, but when the angel changed his voice and his vocabulary and his tone, you need to get out now. He simply complied. But the wife, in my mind's mind, I'm wondering if she was thinking of, my goodness, my Louis Vuitton bag is in the house. <laughs> my Chanel bag is in the house. My high heel shoes that make me renowned is in the house. And all the wonderful things she left behind. And she said, oh my God, is there another way to live and not leave those things behind? I don't know if you guys have been on the, well, I, I watch this uh, air disaster uh, documentaries all the time. This is where uh, investigators learn about what caused the crash so they can prevent the next one. And in any of those cases, I've never seen one time. In fact, many of us saw uh, Captain Sullenberger, who landed the U.S. Air on the river in Manhattan. Did you see any of those passengers when they were leaving the aircraft, getting their hand luggages? <laughs> no. So the point here in the scripture about looking back, licking your wounds, or with regret is, you must always count the, 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 what you are about to gain by not looking back vis-a-vis -vis what you lost by not going back. You didn't get what I just said. In other words, <laughs> what you stand to gain by forfeiting those things behind is far more precious than the things you are regretting. Okay. Let me use the example of the plane crash. 
Would you rather stay inside the aircraft trying to get your iPhone than escaping for your life? Because if you die, you don't need an iPhone in heaven. <laughs> it's over. Oh, you just bought a new iMac. Oh my goodness, I've got to take my iMac with you, really. The plane is on fire. You're looking for your iMac? It doesn't make any sense. So the scripture is saying to us, don't look back. Don't try to regret, oh my goodness, my business will have done better. I uh, could have made a better decision. Listen, all of us fail at one point or the other. All of us miss it. The important thing is not that you missed it. The important thing is, did you learn anything from the process? So Lord, don't lick your wounds. All things ultimately work together for good. The good, the bad, and the not so good. All things work together for good. God has a way. He knows how to use your failures, your misadventures, all the things that happened in your life. He knows how to use them for your benefit. When you are not looking back, pointing at yourself. That's the critical element. Not looking back, pointing at yourself. Amen? Now, there's another, as part of not looking back, licking your wounds. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. He said, I'm forgetting the things which are behind. I'm looking forward to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So looking back with regret is not always because I lost something. It's not always because I failed. It's not always because something didn't work out. Looking back with regret can also be as a result of your success and accomplishments. You are counting the trophies on the mantelpiece. Ha, I want this to be a debate champion at Georgia State. I, I did this at UGA, yes. I'm the GOAT, uh, the greatest of all time. Yeah. You are trying to move forward, but you cannot move forward because you are stuck in the past achievements. I went to... Harvard, I went to Oxford, I went to this, I was the chairman of this commission, I was the minister of foreign affairs, on and on, and God said, I know what you are, but let me unpack what you are going to be. And you are not able to allow God to unpack it because you are still stuck in your old days. How many times have you heard, in the old days you used to be like this? When I was in uh, uh, Syria alone, it was like this. I don't want to mention the other country. You know, you know what country I'm talking about. <laughs> when I used to be in Cuba, this is the way it was. Uh -huh. When I used to be in uh, this state, uh, this this way it was. I was the chairman of my local government. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Greg. <laughs> It's not always about the failure. Sometimes our success are the biggest impediments, impediment to our future. Yeah. We are stuck in what we used to do. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. What you think, maybe you failed this or you failed that, you uh, had a loss, especially with COVID, many people lost uh, jobs, they lost financial income and all of that stuff. Listen, even in all of that, we can say one thing, God is good. How many times did Cornell, Kentucky Fried Chicken, how many times did they fail? 99 times. All you have to do is just get it right once. Once. Once, just get it right once. Who remembers how many times they failed? If I didn't tell you, would you remember that? When you pull up at KFC to buy your chicken. By the way, how many times did your boss fail? <laughs> no. I want to order three wings, three-piece wings, and blah, 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 blah. That's it. You pay your money, you leave. You don't remember how many times you failed. But you're enjoying the success he acquired. Focus! Not on yourself, but on the God who made you. Amen. Two ways to look back. Number one, to lick our wounds with regrets. Number two. Looking back at what God had done. Hallelujah. The Bible instructs us to look back to remember all that God has done. Here, as opposed to the number one. Here, when you're looking back at what God had done, what's the big difference? God is in focus. 
I'm not looking back with licking my wounds, saying, bank, I failed this. Bank, you missed this chance. Bank, no. Because when I'm doing that, the focus is on me. What I did or did not do. But when I look back with thanksgiving, all of a sudden, it's a totally different perspective. I'm looking at God. Even in my failure, I said, God, what are you doing through this failure? Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You see, because you must understand the things me and you call failure with God is, is success. Ooh, it's quiet in here. <laughs> because you don't understand that, equ that equation. You don't. The things me and you call failure, do you understand that God may deter you momentarily because you know something was about to happen for which that detained is what saved and your life oh okay let me give you scripture this is a bible believing church and i appreciate that give me chapter and verse i will give it to you give me genesis chapter 45 verses 4 through 8 genesis 45 thank you very much and Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. He didn't deny the fact, they sold him. Yeah. Now look at verse 6, the commentary. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. Verse 7. Now, look at the commentary. And God sent me. Now, so which one is it? Did they sell him or God sent him? Which one is it? For God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. And to save your lives. As they say in my village, your lives. By great deliverance. Do you guys understand that? These jokers who are standing before Joseph, they were the ones who orchestrated the selling to slavery. Yeah. But Joseph has a God narrative. Rather than play to their own narrative of evil, he said, oh, you guys thought you were doing evil. Let me tell you how God sees it and how I've accepted what God has done. God was the one that sent me. Why? That's a purpose. To save for God a posterity in the earth and to save your lives and others' lives by the great deliverance. Verse 8. So now, it was not you. All of a sudden, I'm looking at my failure. I said, oh, hold on. I thought they said I failed. Now I'm understanding that this failure actually, according to God, is a pass mark. Because you do not understand. You are judging your life by a snippet of time. And God said, I have more years, more life ahead of you. Don't judge yourself. Let me define the narrative of your life. Don't listen to what you have been listening to. So now it was not you who sent me here. But God... So when I'm lying on my back sick, I'm not going to be moaning and groaning, oh my God, this sickness is going to kill me. I'm going to say, God, what are you working at in my sickness? If I'm failing, if my misfortune is upon me, rather than moan and groan and blame this one and that one and that one, I say, God, what are you working at in this situation? Because I know my life is in your hands. All things are working together for good for him that's called me. According to his purpose. What's the worst thing that can happen to anybody? Death. And yet God's narrative on that. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his sins. Deal with that. Now our understanding how humanity, we miss people, we don't want them to go. My father was 99, my mother was 90, when they left. I don't want them to go. But my perspective and God's are totally different. And the sooner I buy into God, the better for my soul. Amen. Because it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. He said, but pastor, I don't understand. No, I don't either. But when we see him, we find out. Amen. Why am I fretting over something I can't control? 
Why? Why? So we can look back with thanksgiving, focusing on God, who's given us these experiences, whether it's good or bad. I tell people all the time, how do you think Mary, the mother of Jesus, felt? For all of you women and mothers in the sanctuary and watching, which mother will voluntarily say, this my child, nail him to the cross? Oh, by the way, why are you doing that? Strip him in a kid. Oh, no, oh, by the way, why are you doing that? Get a flog and whip him. Which mother would think so? How can you imagine that something good can come out of that? And God is saying, this is the answer for every human problem. All the sins that's belating us, all the sicknesses, the curses, everything you need are packaged and put on this man. So for our human experience, this is a terrible day. But from God's perspective, this is the most wonderful day in human experience. Bar none. So I'm saying to us, the sooner we adopt God's perspective, the better for all of us. Let me just go to one scripture. Psalms, Psalms, no, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Because time is gone. 1 Samuel chapter 17. From verse 33. Thank you. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are youth, and he a man of war from his youth. This was the battle of Israel against Goliath. Next verse, verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. What is he doing? He's looking back. He's looking back. Saul is trying to discourage him and say, oh, no, no, you can't do it. You're too young. That's a fact. See, this is the problem. We're always mixing facts with truth. Facts will only get you so far, but truth will always get you over. Amen. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, verse 35, verse 35, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Now, you think David is talking about himself, right? No, read on. Verse 37. Moreover, David said, ah, now let's see, who is he talking about? The Lord. You see the emphasis? The Lord who delivered me. Glory to God. From the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he, my Lord, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. After I said that, backslidden saw had nothing else to say. <laughs> he just concord and said, oh, okay, all right, so you are bringing God into this situation. All right then, David, go, and the Lord be with you. Amen. End of story. So why am I showing you this? David also looked back. But he was not looking back at his failure or success. He was looking back at the God who handed him the deliverance. Amen. Amen. And when he brought that God into the current situation or the current reality, it changed everything. And that's what we are trying to do in this journey. We are looking back to invoke the goodness of God in all the things that's happened to us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We are bringing God into that equation. I say, God, what is the lessons learned in this process? What are you accomplishing in us and through us in this hour? The power of thanksgiving can never be understated. In Jonah chapter 2, verses 7 through 10, you know about Jonah, the backslidden prophet who reluctantly went to Nineveh. In fact, he didn't want to go. He was going to a different direction, and God had to arrest him and subsequently put him in the belly of the whale. Let me read it. When my soul fainted within me, this is a backslidden prophet speaking. 
and remember the Lord. Now, what did he remember? What do you think he remember? He remembered the Lord. But what do you think? What about God did he remember? His goodness. And all the things he had done for him. Oh, hallelujah. In the belly of that world, all of a sudden, he had a revelation. I remember the Lord. Oh, my God. How God came and made Israel a missionary nation. How Israel, in spite of its rebellion and propensity for sin, God still chose them. How, in fact, he was running away from God and God still arrested him. And all the, how God anointed him and made him a prophet, something he could not, he remembered God. And what happened? And my prayer went up to you. That remembrance invoked something out of him. Into your holy temple, verse 8. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. What is he talking about? When you begin to regard all the other circumstances. Oh, your brother did this. Your sister didn't do that. Oh, my job. My supervisor. Oh, my business. When you regard all of this is a what? Worthless idols. They can't change anything. And the mercy that's waiting to rescue you is just like waiting here. Because you are focusing on the wrong things. But I will sacrifice to you. How? With the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I vowed. Salvation or deliverance is of the Lord. How did God respond? So, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And I'm saying to you this morning, as Jonah gave thanks given to God, God responded in kind and brought deliverance. Amen. I don't know what it is for which you need God's deliverance this morning. But there's one thing you can do on your part to activate what God has already made available. The deliverance is already available. Jesus paid in full for your deliverance. But the issue is you and I are still focusing on the wrong things. And God is saying, if I can just redirect your attention. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, be careful for nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. In other words, begin to thank him before you see the deliverance. Begin to call those things that are not as though they are. Begin! And that power of thanksgiving will bring God's deliverance to your doorstep. Time will not permit me to go on and on and on. Jesus in Luke chapter 17, verses 14 through 19, don't turn there, I'll just give you the paraphrase. He healed 10 lepers and only one returned. Out of 10, only one returned to give thanks. Jesus said, my goodness. He counted them, one, two, three. He said, have I not healed ten? Only walking back. What happened to the rest of them? And notice what he said. He, he said something very, very particular. He said, only one, except, you know, he said, none, except this foreigner, the Samaritan. Only the Samaritan returned to give thanks. What's the implication? Right away, we know the rest of the nine were perhaps Jews. Only the foreigner. What's Jesus saying? The Jews had an entitlement mentality. Jesus, you are a Jew. Uh -huh. Jews' lives matter. Yeah. And therefore, because we are Jews, uh, what, what's your problem? Anything we want, you, you better do it. Uh, we know your neighborhood. We know your father, your mother. We know all of them. What's your problem? I'm a Jew. So my Jewish card should bring me the deliverance. Entitlement mentality. But the foreigner, who was not a Jew, who had to earnestly, remember the word earnestly? Serious, intense consideration and concern. The, the one who was not a Jew, who did not have those fringe benefits, he said, oh my God. Oh, little poor me. What do I? How do I deserve such a mercy? More considerate. And the point is, for me and you as church, we are not Jews. We are Gentiles grafted into the commonwealth of Israel. 
I said, for me and you, we should be more considerate. We should understand that everything we get with God from God cost him everything. So we should not have an entitlement mentality. We should be grateful. Gratitude. I cannot tell you how many young people, high school graduates, we write a little check, maybe $50, $100 yesterday. Congratulations on your heart. One out of five will turn and say thank you. I'm talking about your children. And I wonder where they got that from. If the kids are like that, more than likely the parents are doing the same thing. Excuse me. I say love you. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> the point I'm making is we have an entitlement mentality. You give me $50 or so, yeah? You should have given me 200 Not understanding that when I give thanks for the little that I have, God multiplies the little to bring much. So in closing, Understand that no matter what you face, God's goodness and mercy will never leave you. Amen. In fact, he even prepares blessings for you in the midst of your hard seasons. The challenge is these truths are not always easy to remember. Not always easy to remember. Which is why giving thanks matter. Gratitude helps me and you to focus on the only one who is able to turn our problems and run for his glory and our good. Thanksgiving generates faith for future feats. So now as we close, and for those of you joining us online, I want us to take a Selah moment. That's how we started. Take a Selah moment and look back and take in all what the Lord has done for you and your family, your business for the last year. For the last two years. For the last five years. It's a long moment. Just think. What has God done? Remember, even in your misfortunes, even in your so-called failures, God is still at work. He said, the righteous man will fall down seven times, but he'll rise again. And the scripture showed that to us. Samson blew it. But Samson's heir grew back again. And he did more at the end of his life than he did during his lifetime. Sell a moment. What has the Lord done? As the music is playing, I want you to just take that sell a moment. And at the appropriate time for you, as they're ministering music, you may want to come here so we can join hands together and just say, let's just thank God for what God has done for you. Let's thank God for it. All right, you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
And then the ministers are here. After I finish praying, those of you that need individual touch, we're going to touch you. And I agree together with you in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we want to thank you for the assurance that we have in and through your word. Amen. Your word is eternal. Your word is the final arbiter of truth. We receive, we accept, we embrace your word. You said in everything we should give thanks because it is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. So whether we perceive it as good or bad or in between, we thank you this morning that we take a position. We agree with heaven that your intention and your plan for us are plans of good and not of evil to bring us to an expected end. And therefore, no matter our human experience right now, in a moment of time, it compares nothing to the eternal weight of glory that you are about to reveal in us. In the name of Jesus, we agree with you, we bless you, we thank you, because we have the assurance that no weapons that's formed or fashioned against us shall prosper. And when the enemy comes upon us like a flood, your spirit raise up a standard and we accept your standard of deliverance we accept your standard of goodness we accept your standard of healing we accept your standard of prosperity we accept your
the standard of success. In the name of Jesus, we understand that the final words concerning us is not yet written. You are still writing about us. And therefore, what looks like a failure today, by the end of the day, will change into a marvelous success in you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, therefore, we proclaim your goodness. We declare your holiness. We thank you for your grace that's upon us now. In the name of Jesus, we look back with thanksgiving at what the Lord had done. Thank you for walking. Thank you for moving. Thank you for blessing. Thank you for establishing us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. We declare your blessings of every man and every woman and those watching by television. In the name of Jesus, what you are standing for this morning, in the name of Jesus, the victory is already declared. In the name of Jesus, we receive that victory for you. We celebrate that victory with you. Thank you, Papa. We honor you and we bless you. You guys can lay hands now as the people desire. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. I, I gotta praise, I gotta praise, gotta praise, gotta praise.